of cybersecurity. Here are your co-hosts and cybersecurity experts, Brian Horning, Reginald Andre, and Randy Bryan. Happy New Year, everybody. Welcome to the 2024 edition of the Security Squawk Podcast. I am your co-host, Brian, here with Andre and Randy. Welcome to another year, gentlemen. Another 50-some podcast coming your way. Happy New Year. All right. <laughs> you good? You good? Happy New Year as well. Howdy. That froze for a second. <laughs> Andre, did you move? Um, no, same room, um, but just angle. a different, yeah, different angle. Yeah, nice. yeah. Nice. You yeah. like it better than the the books? Sure. It's just different. It's no, it's just yeah. different. I didn't know if you moved rooms or changed. Built I'm at a different place than I normally am. No, you're not. Except you, that I think the last time we did the podcast, I was here. You are. Uh, you're in a different at, house, or you? I have a home office and a regular office. Right now, I'm at my regular office. Gotcha. Okay. I thought I thought maybe Andre there uh, built a new podcast studio over the holiday or something. <laughs> so I'll get a background soon. All right. So today's show, guys, we got a lot to cover. Not much time to do it. We got to wrap up here in about 40 minutes or so. Um, there's a few things going on. There's a few things that we know about that are brewing that we're not going to talk about on today's show. Uh, we're going to save that for when we have more details. Um, there's a major mortgage company that's dealing with something right now. We're not sure exactly what it is. It, there's rumors that Xerox has been hit. Mm. Tyson Foods is another company, major company that there's rumors that they're dealing with an issue. Um, so there's a lot of things that are brewing right now that happened over the holidays that we're not clear on. Uh, we don't have enough information to really talk about it yet. So we're going to talk about some other things. Um, some are all related to cyber attacks. One of those things is um, the outfall of the Oakland ransomware attack, the city of Oakland, uh, and a person who uh, has been profiled um, and has a story has been done on this person where they are claiming that they had multiple accounts open, homes purchased in their name as a result of this hack. And this is something that we talked about a lot in 2023, which was that we were going to see hackers monetizing this information that they're stealing um, because we've been conditioned to believe that when these attacks go down, nothing happens to our data or not, not this, the data is stolen and nothing bad happens. And I think, if, you know, 2024 and 2025, millions, if not billions of people will be impacted by this data that's just floating around out there waiting for cyber criminals to pounce on. So we're going to look at that story. We're also going to talk about um, some hospitals uh, who figured out where some of the data that they had stolen in a cyber attack, they knew where that data was moved to. And now they're trying to get that data back. And we're going to talk about whether it's just a big waste of time or is this something that the hospital can actually do and, and be successful with. Uh, and then we have the Ohio lottery hit by a cyber attack. Some interesting information there. Um, similar to what we saw with MGM uh, where people just can't gamble. And we know when people can't gamble, they get like all anxious and stuff and, and cyber attacks matter. 
Uh, so we're going to talk about what happened there. So <clears throat> before we do, remember, uh, as we head into 2024, there's no plans to monetize this show whatsoever. We do it out of the goodness of our heart. We are trying to spread the word and educate people about what the hell's going on out there and the things they need to start doing to protect themselves. And, and we're encouraging everyone to share this podcast to their friends and family because it's really going to come down to you, the consumer, standing up to these businesses who don't take cybersecurity seriously enough in order to affect change in 2024 and make these businesses actually start paying attention to the data that they're storing on their systems that you're giving them when you're doing business with them. It's a big deal, and it's only going to change, in my opinion, if the government steps in, which they are, but consumers need to start voting with their pockets and their and their wallets as well and not giving money to companies who continually have cyber attacks and breaches. Uh, and actually being proactive about it and asking these companies what they do. So we do it all for free. All you got to do is share the show, get the information out there to your friends and family, hit like, subscribe, do whatever you can. Every little thing that you can do uh, to promote us, to share us, helps us, and it helps other people find this information. So that's that. Let's get into the content, guys. California man says fraudulent accounts opened, homes purchased in his name since the city of Oakland was cyber attacked. Um, on his credit report, <clears throat> there's credit cards that should, should have been closed and they're now open with balances of $17,000 and $30,000. This is pretty wild. I mean, we haven't seen anything like this really been published. I mean, it happens here and there, but you know, to this extent and, and the amount of money that this guy um, is going to be on the hook for until he proves that he, he didn't really do this stuff himself, uh, which is a process, uh, is really going to impact not only this person, but this is not going to happen to just this individual. Uh, Ten months after this ransomware attack on the city's network, residents are still grappling with its consequences. Personal information of thousands will leak to the dark web, leading to widespread identity theft and fraud. Derek Warmack, an Oakland native, uh, is a notable victim. He discovered fraudulent activities in his name, including open credit cards with substantial balances and a home purchase. Warmack's credit score plummeted by over 200 points, and he began receiving unexpected communication about financial matters he had no involvement in, including refinancing a home and notices for bills un from unfamiliar locations. The city's response to this breach has been under scrutiny. Investigations by KGO revealed that many victims, including Warmack, were not notified by the city about their leaked personal and financial data. The lack of communication has left residents feeling vulnerable and unprepared to deal with the fallout of the attack. In May, Oakland's Mayor Shang Tao pledged $10 million over the two years to bolster cybersecurity defenses but progress has been slow, with only 30% of the funds spent so far. Criticism has also been leveled at Oakland's cyber insurance policy, which experts believe is insufficient for the kinds of disruptions caused by a ransomware attack. That's something we see a lot in businesses as well. The incident raises significant concerns about municipal cybersecurity preparedness and the long-term effects of data breaches on individuals. 
Victims like Warmack are left questioning their safety and privacy, underscoring the need for more robust cybersecurity measures at all government levels. And that's basically what I was saying. This is just going to happen to more and more people. Your neighbor, right. your uncle, your friend is going to tell you that this happened to them. And people are going to think twice about who they do business with because they're fearful that this is, is going to happen. Now, this guy... Uh, you know, Mr. Uh, Warmack, he's going to be dealing with this for a long time. Like I said, like he, this isn't going to be easy for him to fix because the people he is going to call and deal with, they've gone through their compliance checks to make sure that this guy was who he says he was and it passed all those checks. So they're going to question whether this guy is committing fraud or doing something along those lines. So um, I feel bad for this guy because, you know, this is just the beginning of a very long road that he's going to have to hoe to fix his, yep. his reputation. Yep. <clears throat> Thoughts on this, guys? And this is the untold story. Whenever we hear these articles and they say, you know, we're going to offer one year credit report and you have 300,000 people's information that's now out in the dark web. This is what people are dealing with. And just, you know, luckily we, we were able to highlight this in the news article, but this is usually not told. And, and sometimes people don't even know, um, from my understanding of the article, the news station contacted him yep. um, regarding this. So here you are, you could have just one day just opened up your mail and start seeing all of these credit card offers. And you have no idea which uh, vendor or which, um, you know, where did you shop? where there was some type of breach and now you're having to deal with this. Yeah. And, you know, I would say to anybody out there that if, if that's listening, if you haven't already, you need to go in and get your credit, your credit bureau reports locked down. Um, it's called frozen. It's a free service. They're required by us law to offer. And all it does is it means that no new accounts can be opened up in your name unless you unfreeze it and you have to set a pin. So basically you can go online for all three bureaus, you, you freeze it. And then let's say like, you know, two months from now, you want to get a car, uh, like a car loan. Well, you log into the website, um, you, you click on unfreeze, you enter the pin, then you can get your car loan and then you can lock it right back. In fact, when you unlock it, you can say lock it back in a certain amount of time automatically, and then it will just lock right back. And, that's that's going to be huge in 2024 with all of this data that's been released um, out there. It's going to be huge in 2024 to make sure that your credit um, your credit bureau stuff is locked down at all at all three credit bureaus because some of what he's talking about could have been prevented um, even though they had all of that information. If his credit bureaus would have been locked down, they wouldn't have been able to open these accounts unless they're letting them open it up without a credit report and without a credit check. Highly unlikely in today's day and age with yeah, how, sure. I, how the financial system works, especially right. when you're talking about refining a mortgage and things like that. Exactly. Um, you know, these are not things that, um, you know, in my opinion are things that you get through without doing some significant identity fraud. Um, you know, so we'll see where this ends up. The other thing that, you know, I want to kind of touch on that this article pointed out, and we saw this a lot um, last year, guys, with some of the risk assessments that we did on businesses. And 
you know, one of the things that we do is analyze if a company has cyber insurance and how much they're carrying. And a big theme was, well, there was a significant number of people who don't, or companies and businesses who didn't even have cyber insurance and didn't understand why they even needed it. Um, but the ones that did have it, a lot of them were severely low on the terms of amounts that they were being covered for. Like one business um, we did towards the end of 2023, they were like a four or $5 million business a year, but they only had $100,000 in cyber insurance. Hmm. It's not going to get you very far, right? <clears throat> and I think that's what uh, the the city of Oakland's learning is like they had a cyber insurance policy, but it's probably not going to be enough to cover you know, when you're talking to kind of numbers that you're talking about the amount of data that this entity is in possession of, when you start to deal with people's information getting out there, the number adds up quickly. Um, and I guess the other thing that I was left with when I read this article is the fact that it's pointed out that their efforts to spend the $10 million has been slow. Um, and, you know, as a, as a somebody, you know, who's a cyber expert, I kind of look at this and go, yeah, no kidding. The same way, you know, uh, somebody who does like fitness and physical training looks at an obese person and says, and it's like coming to them saying like three weeks into the training program, why, why am I not in shape yet? Well, it's like, no kidding. This takes time to get done. Mm -hmm. um, and the longer your business ignored this and the bigger the business is the more technology debt you're going to have and the longer it's going to take you to catch up and pay that off that's how you need to think about it um so anybody who thought that they were going to be able to turn this around in 12 months or 18 months is you know either lying to them or they don't know what they're doing so any last thoughts before we uh, before we move on? All good. Yeah, at, least we didn't see them just, at least we didn't see them just throw the money. You know, they got ten million dollars, and now the IT guy just goes and buys candy and just like <sighs> well, that's yet candy. that's yet to come out. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like they, you know, oh, the, when they get hacked again, and they go, "What happened to the ten million we spent?" Well, then then we'll then we'll hear that story, right? Yeah. Uh, I was just going to say, this is just the tip of the iceberg, man, for uh, stuff coming out of Oakland. Um, oh, yeah, 100%. So, I mean, we saw this not too long ago. We talked about this with a similar situation with hospitals, right? And the patients getting contacted by the cyber criminals. Right. They're, and what I kept saying in 2023 was cyber criminals are now figuring out ways to monetize this stolen data. And, mm -hmm. and these are the different things that they're going to try. And this is just another thing that they're trying to see if they can, you know, make money off it, which they will. Banks will lose money because of these loans being given to these criminals fraudulently. Right. And it's going to get the attention of banks and government people that way. So, you know, this is this is a a story and a web yet to be unfolded that is literally unfolding in front of our eyes. And every day we're learning more and seeing new tactics. And that's why we, we update you as much as we can on this show because it changes so quickly. 
Um, but I think, you know, I think we have reached that breaking point where consumers and individuals need to start using their wallets and their dollars to appropriately when it comes to data security and stop just expecting that the government or the businesses are doing the right thing and taking care of it. Cause I promise you they're not. Mm -hmm. All right, guys, next article. Who's this one, Randy? That's uh, me. So the transition would be uh, speaking of hospitals, <laughs> right? Yeah. All right. Well, so um, this, uh, this next one we're going to look at um, involves two hospitals that are actually part, they're not-for-profit hospitals that are actually part of an alliance called the North Star Health Alliance. They serve in northern New York. Um, residents, they have 220,000 residents that they serve um, in several uh, counties, counties in um, northern New York. Um, the Lockbit ransomware gang has claimed responsibility for breaching and stealing sensitive files from their systems back in August. Um, and um, there's a, a press release uh, from back then um, that um, redirected the parents, uh, the patients, sorry, uh, requiring urgent care to other hospitals, emergency departments. So fast forward. Um, their data has now been found on Wasabi server. So Wasabi is a provider of internet storage. Cheap they, internet storage. Yeah, it is. It's like six bucks a month so per terabyte. So they've been found on, uh, the data has been found on Wasabi servers. And so this healthcare group, these two hospitals, they've now um, opened up a, uh, a lawsuit. So in a bid to recover the stolen data, from Wasabi servers, the hospitals have now taken legal action against the cyber criminals who stole the files, asking the court to order Wasabi to return the stolen data to North Star, Star Health Alliance and issue a court order requiring the ransomware group to destroy all copies they made. And this is where I have to stop because this is where it gets ridiculous. Because here's the deal. The, the data is sitting on Wasabi's servers. This is now a news article. And I am, I would be willing to bet a pretty large amount of money that Lockbit has already seen this article. Lockbit already knows that the data is well known now to the world, that the data is sitting on Wasabi servers. And so this really should have been kept under the wraps. It should have been, should not have been made public. They should have got a secret court order. They should have gone in. They should have got it. The part that makes me it's a sad laugh. It's not a happy ha ha laugh, but it is a laugh is that they're trying to get a court order. Lockbit, they're not going to, they're not going to go by a court order. Right. If they went by court orders, they wouldn't be breaking the law in the first place. You know, it's one of these, why would they follow a court order when they're already breaking the law to get the data anyway? So short story long, it's going to be a miracle um, that, they actually get the data back and then the data is not ever released. I would probably say most likely Wasabi's already moved it somewhere else, put it somewhere else. In fact, part of me thinks that this is just part of a PSYOP. Um, that's what ransomware gangs do to mess with your heads, to make you do stupid things or short-sighted short short things. Um, I have a hunch that this is probably a psyop and the, the data never really 
was all there anyway. This could be a copy of the data, but the data is probably already long gone. If you ask me, that's my hunch. But you, so you, you don't, why don't you think though Wasabi would give it back to the hospital? Like if the hospital needs it, let's just say their data is encrypted. They don't have the right backups. They need this information. You don't think Wasabi would say, you know, here you go, here's the link. Oh, I totally think they would. So they can't just go release the data. They're going to have to have a court order to do it. Right. So it's not like Wasabi's the bad guy here and they won't release it or whatever. I mean, it's going to be, I, I would be willing to bet money. It's in their terms of service. You know, data to be released is going to require a court order. Um, but they, they're going to need that to get the data back. So, yeah, I would assume that Wasabi would give it back. But I have serious doubts that, that Lockbit, that this is the only place that Lockbit has the data is on a Wasabi yeah. server. But could be wrong. But I seriously doubt it. <laughs> What are y'all's thoughts? Well, I agree with you in that, you know, it's it's a well-known situation for um, the cyber criminals. I also think that there's probably some pretty there's there's probably some pretty good reasons why they chose to use Wasabi. Um, one of them is for security alerting and telemetry purposes. They didn't want to set off any of alarms that um, data was moving over either an unencrypted channel or out to um, a country outside of the U.S. So Wasabi servers are based in the U.S. If anybody knows anything about Wasabi, um, they know that they basically created a cheap storage cloud platform using Amazon storage buckets, S3 buckets they're known as. Um, and that's how they're able to offer what they offer so cheaply um, because they built a, a software and a platform that, that is you're able to easily store this data in Amazon and Amazon S3 buckets. At least the last time I looked at them, that's how it was. They may have changed things since then. It's been a while. But that's what I do know about that service and why maybe a hacker would want to choose that over maybe setting up his own server or or doing something like that. I can also pretty much guarantee you that this was just a jumping off point to get the data. They they probably, just as quickly as they copied it to Wasabi, they copied it from Wasabi to somewhere else. Um, now Wasabi and the FBI will be able to get that telemetry to figure out where else it went. Um, but at the end of the day, let's not give anyone a false sense of security by telling people like, oh, if they get this data, then their data was kind of rescued. It wasn't. It, it, it's, it fell in the hands of a third party that shouldn't have. The breach has occurred and you have to treat, treat it like such. And you also have to assume that they have this data in perpetuity. Yep. yep. And that goes back to that the gentleman from Oakland Park that we just uh, talked about. You're going to have a lot of people's information out there. 100%. So anything else we're going to add to this one, guys, before we move on? All good? Well, uh, kind of one thing. One of the reasons that this article stuck out to us when we discussed it is that this, this really goes back to ramifications. We've talked about this a lot in the last few months. We're, we're kind of all in first-gen eyewitness of cyber attacks. We don't really know what happens when, they're, when they happen. And this is just another example of another thing that can possibly happen when you get breached. 
another thing you'll have to deal with. And that's going to be hiring a lawyer to write up something to if your data gets, you know, notice that it's missing. And oh, look, it's on Wasabi, which how did they find that? I don't know. But, you know, they're now having to uh, pay a lawyer to draw this up and, you know, to get the court order and all that jazz. This is expensive. This is just another thing and another ramification of a breach. Yes, sir. All <laughs> right. Last but not least, Andre, what's going on with the Ohio lottery? Well, if you were doing some scratch offs or trying to get some uh, last minute Christmas shopping going and taking a big gamble and turning your $300 to $1,000, you were uh, out of luck on December the 24th because the Ohio lottery system got a cyber attack by a um, Dragon Force ransomware. So specifically, if you're a winner and you your prize was more than $600, you could not just go uh, to uh, cash it out via your mobile app or a super retailer location. You actually had to mail in your claim. And um, so that's one part of it. That's the consumer part of it where they're noticing this. And then on the back end, which is gonna, I would say hurt even more, is if you've ever won um, any type of, uh, of money from the Ohio lottery system, you now have the possibility that your data, social security number, date of birth, first name, last name, email address, the winning amount, for more than 3 million people have now been exposed um, with this Dragon Force. So they're estimating about 600 gigabit, uh, gigabytes of information. And um, this is at a point where the ransomware, uh, there's a ransomware. So they're basically telling Ohio uh, State that we, we, we have your files and we've also encrypted your files. We've, you know, we, we, we've stole your data. And unless you pay us X dollar amount within a given time period, you're not going to get it back. And we're going to um, you know, sell all this information. So really bad for, for Ohio residents. Um, now we are also talking about Dragon Force. This is the first time we've talked about it on the show, um, but, um, and suggestions are that this Dragon Force could be like an old, um, old timer, you know, maybe a lock bit or, or somebody else that the government has taken down. Um, but apparently they've already done two dozen attacks uh, since th this December in Australia. So, um, so it's, they're, they're out there and people are suffering. hundred percent. I mean, this is, this is just going to be another example in my opinion of what we've kind of been talking about throughout the show, um, which is your data is in trouble in 2024 and they're going to use this data as well. Um, <clears throat> you can just dream up the ways of, you know, the phishing emails, you know, here, you know, you you won this amount of money, right? Like how legitimate sounding would an email be? I mean, they basically are saying like basically anybody who's won more than six hundred dollars is, you know, basically their their information is probably part of this da data set, right? So if a cyber criminal knows I won a thousand dollars on a scratch off, <clears throat> and I get an email from what looks like the Ohio Lottery Commission or whatever they're called that says, hey, you know, click here, you want $1,000 from us and you have to fill out this information for your taxes, right? Which could come in the next three or four months and 
would seem completely illegitimate. And now if I got something like that in September or August, I might question it a little bit. But in the next three or four months, if I get one of those emails, I'm probably more than likely going to click on it. Mm -hmm. and then that's one way that they're going to be able to monetize this. Another way is, is just extorting people who won big amounts of money. Right. I know you won $20,000 and now I'm going to send you emails and harass you and, and, and people fake tax notices. Yeah. Yep. I mean, people will pay the crazy, craziest amounts of money. That's why gift card scams works, works against elderly for a long period of time because the elderly people just want to get this person off the phone for the most part, right. right? So they're just like, oh, I got to run the CVS and buy you a $20 gift card to get rid of you or, or Google Play card. Um, it, it, you wouldn't think people fall for this stuff, but people were falling to, for that stuff for many years to the tunes of millions of dollars a year. Um, this is going to be the new version of that on steroids. And that's, you know, the warning for, for 2024 is like, you know, <laughs> You, it's the craziest thing to me that like most people are not going to sit there and think that because they won the lottery in Ohio that that now they're going to have to be dealing with some kind of identity fraud or something like that. But that's legitimately what what you're faced with. There's essentially no transaction, nothing you can do today where you're not at risk of of potentially having your data stolen. Yeah. You know the other. I think it's more than just an inconvenience here is now all of the lotteries winnings, uh, the winners that are over 599 bucks, you're going to have to mail your winning lottery ticket in. Can you imagine if you won the million dollar lottery having to no offense to the mail service, but having to put that in a, in a like, how would you insure for that? How do you know that somebody's not going to see who it's addressed to and pull it and claim it as their own? Like, I don't like that idea at all. No, I'm driving yeah. that that baby to the to the, directly to their office. Yeah. We're gonna <laughs> hand deliver it, man. All right, guys. So, uh, anything else on what's happening in Ohio before we we wrap up the show and move on here with uh, our last segment? All good, right? So mm -hmm. last show of the year we did in 2023, we did a, a, a pretty lengthy Q&A session, which actually turned out to be a pretty good episode for us. So we're going to continue that as much as we can in 2023. And every show we're going to try to wrap up with some more Q&A questions, some questions either we get in from comments that you're posting on social media or things that come in. Uh, while we're recording the show live and we just don't have time to to get to them on that particular show. So we will queue them up for a later podcast. So uh, first question for today, guys, is this kind of goes what you wanted to talk about anyway, uh, Randy. Um, what are some of the most significant cyber attacks that have occurred recently? I guess, you know, we can throw in most of 2023 there. And what can businesses learn from them? Randy, I'll send it to you first since, um, since I love volunteers. Well, so um, I'm not I'm not thinking of a specific one, but a specific genre of attacks that we've seen a bunch of recently 
our business email compromise where, I mean, and this, this is going to get worse because you have so many businesses that are sending and receiving invoices. They're paying each other online using insecure methods to pay each other. Um, got an invoice the other day, didn't have to log in to pay it. Very convenient for the user. But what if that invoice was not a real invoice? If I would have logged in, then I would know. But if you don't log in, you don't know. This, this is going, I think this is going to go through the roof over the next three to six months. We're going to see more and more of this because it is a very weak spot, um, if you will. Well, so that's business email I'm compromise doing. is the yes. number one way businesses are breached. And I, I would say the business email compromise is the dirty little secret that businesses have because <laughs> I just feel like businesses, I mean, I know I have the statistics, I have the data. Mm -hmm. Businesses' emails are getting compromised at, a, at an alarming rate. Mm -hmm. um, now, sometimes hackers are only in there for a few minutes, and, but sometimes they're in there for a very long time and they can do a lot of damage the longer mm -hmm. they're in there. Um, but they can do a lot of damage in 15 minutes as well. So they don't have to be in there long if they have a good plan of attack, you know, when they strike. Um, but I can tell you this, when most companies find somebody in their email, they're not reporting it. It's not making the news. It's not, right. you know, because it's not as sensationalized as ransomware. It doesn't take you down, but it causes as much financial damage as, as, as any cyber attack that we know of. So... Good, good one, Randy. Anything you want to add there, Andre? I'm good. All right. What's your uh, most significant cyber attack that's occurred recently? Uh, well, we definitely got to move it, right? That's yep. that's one. Um, <laughs> but it, it also talks, you know, it also kind of relates to the cyber attack that a lot of businesses may not even be able to control per se, because when it's third party, and you know you you may be doing everything right. You may uh, have all of your your check marks and updates and things like that. But then a third party provider uh, isn't doing something correct. And then through that, because there's an agent on the computer or there's um, a, a, some type of machine, like how we saw with the water district, which actually the water district was you, that that was avoidable. But um, but I, I see that a lot happening where you know. The computers are going to be fortified, firewalls are going to be fortified, but then they just go right through the back door with a third-party um, app. Yeah, so, you know, your companies need to be prepared for zero days. And that means, you know, you may have to take systems offline to remove them from the internet, or you may need to accept the risk and leave them exposed until you can get them remedied, patched, or whatever, whatever, the, whatever the fix is. Um, but I'll, I'll go with the Citrix bleed one because I think that that's creating massive havoc in the same realm that companies need to patch quickly or get the systems offline. These are publicly facing systems that, that most workers need to do work, especially if they're remote or hybrid in a lot of these cases. And the big thing with Citrix bleed that I saw that was concerning was there were IT professionals and IT companies out there who patched this system, but didn't understand that just patching it wasn't enough. 
Like you literally had to take the system offline, clear any active sessions, and then and then patch or or I don't know what order it was specifically. I think you could patch, but at some point you had to take everything offline and kill any active sessions in order for this vulnerability to be completely gone. And there were companies that just patched the systems and left it running and didn't kill those sessions and then got hacked. And they were like, well, we patched. How do we still get hacked? This must not be fixed. So there's a lot of different ways that this can go down and what companies need to be concerned with. Um, it's not as simple sometimes as just getting a patch and applying the patch. Um, and this is why incident response planning and business continuity planning and having a plan and understanding what you're going to do in certain situations before you actually have to do these things because of an event is critical today. So how much time we guys, we're done, right? Yeah. yeah. All right, cool. So couldn't get to too many questions today. At least we got the one good job guys. Um, that'll do it for us for our first show 2024. Remember themes of the show. Stay safe out there. Make sure you're checking your credit report. Make sure you're aware of when your data is stolen and start to make decisions on who you do business with based on how well they protect your data. Um, we're going to continue to cover companies that fail to do this for you so you're aware of these companies. But you got to do your own due diligence these days. Don't expect the companies to do it for you and don't expect the government to take care of this problem for you. This is something you got to take care of yourself and make sure that you're doing the right thing with your data and doing everything you can to protect your sensitive information, meaning don't give too much of it out if you don't have to. Anything else, guys, before we uh, wrap it up and hit the end button? All good? All right, good. See you in the next episode. See everyone next week. Take care.